to In Conversation with a new mini series podcast from the Marketing Society. I'm Rachel Lethem, Head of Content and Communications, and today I'm in conversation with Alison Stewart Allen, Marketing Society member and CEO of International Marketing Partners, a consulting firm helping companies successfully internationalize. So we will delve into both the global and local perspective when it comes to branding. Now, we've seen over the years that one size does not fit all when it is about going global. Companies often make incorrect assumptions that other markets are just like their home market, and this can lead to expensive mistakes. Alison is a renowned advisor, author, speaker, broadcaster, and non-exec director focused on helping leaders and their companies to successfully internationalize. You've probably seen her or heard her on Sky News, BBC News, any other global news outlet, or maybe you've watched her on the five series of The Apprentice or attended one of the many leadership courses she runs for Oxford University's Said Business School. So originally from Los Angeles and based in London for over 30 years, Alison applies her extensive international consulting experience, her MBA education with Dr. Peter Drucker, and her French and German languages to the company she founded, International Marketing Partners. So welcome back to the podcast, Alison. And I know you've been in 2021 uh, to talk about the dilemmas that CMOs face when marketing internationally. Are the same challenges around today? Let's dive in. Let's discuss the first of our three-part mini-series on foreign fails. So welcome. Thank you very much, Rachel. Great to see you. Great to uh, talk about this topic, which is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, you know, having, um, as you said in that introduction, you know, worked with so many different companies in different sectors, different parts of the world, uh, they often still fall into the same traps. Uh, and often they're thinking traps, if uh, if I might label it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, getting into this topic. Amazing. So can you share a bit about your background, how you became so passionate about international marketing and brand strategy? So I think uh, it was really triggered by living in Munich, Germany, uh, between the ages of eight and 12. So my uh, parents, I'm an only child, so it was really easy to move from L.A. Uh, to Munich. Uh, we were there for four years. I was exposed to a range of, um, you know, ways of doing things that were really different to what I was used to. Uh, I obviously had to learn German pretty quickly. I was put into a German school. Uh, and when you're that age, though, you're a sponge. So you absorb languages super quickly anyway, which uh, I had to do. Uh, and then when we got back to uh, L.A. and I was back into uh, the, the junior high and high school system uh, and people said, you know, you dress really weird. Your clothes are strange. Where are those from? And I said, Germany, I'm just back from living in Germany when I got answers like, what's a Germany? So it was starting to remind me or make me think, gosh, maybe I don't really belong here. Uh, and maybe I can be doing something that helps people understand the rest of the world. So that's really what I, I'm doing through the marketing lens uh, and, um, you know, arbitraging the differences uh, in different parts of the world is what good companies do and what good marketers do. Uh, and when you see it done well, it's just, you know, fantastic because you see that the company is really thoughtful about how they adapt. Uh, and then you see a lot that don't adapt. <laughs> and um, we can all learn a lot from both the, the successes and the failures. 
fabulous well this is a three-part series next time we're going to delve into some of the the good the bad and the ugly and we've had a bit of a, a giggle and a discussion about all of the, the interesting things that you have in your cabinet of curiosities which will be opening the door on next time so what are some of the key challenges but also the opportunities in global branding that businesses today should be aware of that keeps them you know creating relevant value propositions and customer experiences I think the biggest key challenge is integrating the global and the local and managing the organization and managing the marketing function so that you get the best of both. Um, so typically what I see is uh, marketing and other functions, you know, could be HR, could be finance, could be operations, uh, but it's very uh, polarized. It's either we're doing everything global. Here's the template. This has to fit everywhere. Uh, you must use it, uh, even though it may not be a good cultural fit. Uh, and the local markets say, well, you're right. This is not a good cultural fit. This, for example, in the marketing uh, arena, uh, this global campaign uh, works in your home country, but you know it doesn't work here. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll do what you say. If you're insisting we use this template, we'll do it, but it's not going to work and it doesn't work. So typically what happens is companies take five years to swing between the global and then they realize that's under maximizing their earnings or revenue sales. And then they go to super local and super local takes five years till people figure out, well, this isn't working. We must go back to global. So they're looking for a fix and a solution to what they define as the problem mm -hmm. of international. But international is not a problem. International is a dilemma. And if you treat it as a dilemma, which means that you have to do both global and local and regularly and uh, in uh, pretty much in real time, iterate until you get this balance right and keep recalibrating to accommodate global and local, then you're going to win. But if you define it as a problem and the solution is obviously local or the solution right now is global, it's never going to work. So mm -hmm. that's really the biggest challenge, I think, for CMOs and our fellow members that you know are grappling with this. And the local markets are saying, we need more relevance. Uh, and then you devolve power and they get to choose agencies and executions and the campaigns lose the look and feel of the brand that has you know challenges so it's really about i guess being strategic mm -hmm. uh and looking for fixes or not even fixes looking for tactics that integrate global and local and and that's really the trick of it and you know there is not a prescription by the way every company has to come up with their own formulation to get this balance right you can't just say okay here do this and it'll you'll manage it mm -hmm. you know that it, it doesn't work that way every corporate culture is different their products and services are different their values are different so that's why this is complex uh and i think if you use the word complex especially with my american countrymen you know the shutters come down complex oh time money Mm, we don't want complex. We want mm. a global template. So I guess I can say as the author of Working with Americans, uh, that if any listeners are either American or working with Americans, 
you'll not be surprised by the tendency to look for a global template, but they'll usually figure out eventually that that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So getting that balance right between the global consistency, but then local resonance and relevance is really key to successful international marketing. Absolutely. Yeah. So how important is kind of cultural intelligence in today's globalized marketplace? How can businesses develop that, that cultural intelligence? So I think one key thing that will predict whether the global intelligence is allowed inside the business is also about the importance placed on listening uh, and the importance placed on um, uh, humility. Uh, so, you know, it's often the case that headquarters knows everything and the satellites, the subsidiaries, the local teams don't have a clue. Of course, we know everything because we're an HQ. I think uh, recognizing that that mindset is unprofitable mm -hmm. uh, is the key. So I think you need as a leader, as a CMO, uh, to encourage your colleagues around the world to feed in that local knowledge so that you are as informed as possible so that you're making decisions collaboratively with your local colleagues on the ground uh, to get that balance right. So it's about listening. It's about an open mindset and openness. Uh, and it's back to that humility. It's a recognition that, you know, you may not know everything uh, and it's OK to not know everything uh, mm -hmm. and to trust local uh, teams and colleagues on the ground because that local knowledge is incredibly valuable and without it, you won't be successful. So I think it's a it's a, it's sort of self-interest to some degree and it's uh, that openness and listening mechanisms putting in place. Mm -hmm. So to put you on the spot a little bit, are there any businesses that spring to mind where you, you see that they do this well? Um, quite a few. Uh, so um, I have a client that's a consulting business called Emergen, uh, E-M-E-R-G-N. It's a transformation business. It's an innovation business that basically helps companies go from the uh, innovation idea to the commercial exploitation and transforming their businesses to be able to exploit uh, a little bit of explore but mostly the exploit end uh, of that innovation continuum. Mm -hmm. They're excellent when it comes to uh, listening and listening not only to their colleagues on the ground around the world, uh, but also they use their clients for that, uh, that exercise. Um, and you can't do innovation if you're not listening. Um, so I, I would hold them up as a great example. Um, I guess if I think about another of my clients, Chanel, uh, they have a different uh, set of merchandise in every uh, part of the world. Mm. So, you know, it isn't the Chanel jacket and this is the same model that has to sell everywhere. The stores get to choose to a certain degree the product mix for their client customer base mm. uh, in that territory. So I think those are two really good examples. I mean, there's many others where you have you know, a core offering, but you also let the local colleagues and teams and subsidiaries choose 
which parts of the core are they going to choose that and select that will uh, be promoted and marketed in that geo. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's plenty of good examples. Those are just a couple. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you, Alison, for your time today. We've learned the thing is it's all about global consistency, but that local resonance. So next time we're going to get into some of the juicy details where Alison will share examples from her cabinet of curiosities. So those that have had successful cross-cultural marketing campaigns and those with foreign fails. And there's some real goodies in there. So I look forward to opening that door and sharing some examples with you. So we'll see you next time. Thank you. Looking forward.